This time of a year, we normally say to one another, I wish you a happy new year, and other wonderful expressions like that. In this message today, I want to share with you on the theme of what I wish for you, what I wish for you. And for the message, I invite you to turn to the book of Daniel, book of Daniel in the Old Testament. It's been a long time since I've actually preached from Daniel. I haven't been ignoring him for any particular reason, but there are so many places in the Bible to preach from. Dr. Lisa Autar gave an excellent message from Daniel back in October in the evening service. And today I want to invite you to look at this wonderful part of our Bible. What I wish for you. Around 605 BC, the armies from the nation of Babylon attacked Jerusalem and uh, took away many of the most gifted people into what has come to be known as the Babylonian captivity. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, tell us how the king of Babylon wanted to have some of the Israelites serve in his palace. So I want you to just kind of begin to get a feel for what was happening through Daniel 1 in here, beginning at verse 1. It says, During the third reign of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Man, they were into looks even then, weren't they? (laughs) Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. All right, let's pause there. Then as time progressed, as time progressed, Daniel gained the confidence of the king and he was placed in a very major leadership role. So let's just pick up the storyline now, a few pages over in Daniel 6. 
And we're just going to read the first four verses in Daniel 6, all right? And here's what it says. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Let's pause there, and we will continue on with more of the story of Daniel in next Sunday's message. But today I want to invite you to especially focus on these first four verses of Daniel 6 with me. And I wish to say to you this. Number one, I, I wish your abilities and hard work will be noticed and appreciated and rewarded. I'm praying and hoping that you are going to experience this throughout this year of 2019. We read of how in Daniel's life, his abilities, his hard work, were noticed, appreciated, and rewarded. We see that uh, in, in verses 2 and 3. The king also chose Daniel and two others. And then verse 3 says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the others. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire, entire empire. My friends, it is my hope and prayer that this will happen in, in the various aspects of your life. It is our hope that it will happen, for instance, in your family. May it happen in your family. If you have, if you have a mother, a father, or grandparent, I want to encourage you to please notice, notice their abilities, their hard work, and uh, all that your parents and grandparents do for you. Do you ever stop and think about that? Do you notice? Too often sons and daughters take things for granted, which their parents do for them. Is that, is that true? Yeah, that's correct, isn't it? And some of you, some of you past, some of you parents are thinking, you tell them this morning, Pastor Nick. Tell, tell, those, tell those younger ones, okay? So if you have a wife, again, talking about family matters, if you have a wife or husband or some other family member, notice, notice all that they do for you. I, I want to take a moment and express appreciation to my wife, Cindy, who was uh, up here holding our little granddaughter, Everly. Everly was vis is visiting with us this morning from our daughter church. Um, she is our son's little girl, uh, Jeremy and Kirby. And uh, I want to express my appreciation to my wife uh, because several weeks before Christmas, she set up the beautiful Christmas tree in our living room along with all the decorations. 
And then this past week, she had the privilege, she had the privilege of taking everything down and putting it neatly away for next year, okay? Now, the truth is, the truth is, this, this past Christmas season, I'm just being honest, I, I did not make any time for Christmas decorations for various reasons, primarily busyness, primarily. And uh, in your home, it may also be that it was primarily one person who did most of your Christmas decorations and baking and whatever. Uh, put your hand up if in your house it was mainly one person that did most of what needed to be done. Put, put your hand up. Aha, uh -huh. okay, lots of hands going up there. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, along with your abilities and hard work, be noticed, appreciated, and rewarded in your family. May it also happen in point B, those of you taking notes, in your place of employment at school or at school. Uh, some of you have been working at your job. You've been working at your job for a long time now. And you deserve, you deserve a promotion and or a raise or both. Is there an amen? amen. All right. And some of you have earned more vacation time. May you be rewarded. All right. We also want to apply this truth in, in our church, in our church. Thank you to the many of you who volunteer a lot of your time in our church here. There are, there are too many of you to mention by name. But I do want to say thank you very much to those of you in recent uh, weeks, those of you led by F Frederick Rooms, who have been coming to clean and vacuum the church and do caretaking. Our regular caretaker uh, had major surgery, as most of you know, and is still recovering. And some of you have been a big help. You've been a, a real big help in the whole process of caretaking. And those of you who have been doing the cleaning and vacuuming, um, if you don't mind, just stand for a moment, okay? It's uh, a few of you. Just stand where you are or you're going to be shy. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Frederick, for organizing our volunteers and uh, doing what needs to be done. We are grateful. And if you are here at the New, well, New Year's Eve uh, church services and celebration, you know that we had a lot of people present at the 7 p.m. service and program. We had a lot of people at the 10.30 p.m. service. And in between those two services at 9.30 p.m., we had a lot of people at uh, the reception downstairs. And I really do want to say thank you, as Pastor Lisa did, thank you to the volunteer kitchen committee I thank you to, to our chairman, Irvin Knight, and his team of volunteers who did a great job uh, setting up and serving the food and, and trying to keep everything organized despite the huge crowd that was in the fellowship, fellowship hall. So would you just join me in giving a hand to our kitchen committee, would you? Amen. Thank you so very much. Um, my friends in the sound booth, I'm just wondering if we maybe should reduce the... Uh, monitor here. Just I'm getting quite a bit of feedback up here. If we could just do that. Thanks. Well, for each one of you listening today, throughout 2019, may your abilities and hard work be noticed, appreciated, and rewarded. Let it be so. Okay. 
what I wish for you. Second truth, or second wish I have for you today, out of Daniel here, is this. I wish you will be an encourager instead of a fault finder. This truth comes out of verse 4, where we read, where we read, then the, uh, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. That's what the Bible says. Now, in case anyone needs a definition for fault finder, here it is. Fault finder. A person who habitually finds fault, complains, or objects, especially in a petty way. All right? Now, Kristen Butler says, the people who actively find faults in others are the same people who are completely blind to their own. Is that true? Yes. Now, why do some people specialize in fault finding? Why? Well, those of you making notes, A, jealousy. Jealousy, for one thing. Certainly in Daniel's case, in the Bible, the reason they were trying to find faults in Daniel was because they were jealous of him. He was just such an outstanding person, an outstanding leader. They were just jealous. And Galatians in the Bible, chapter 5, verse 26, says this. It says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Right? And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. So if you see some good in someone else, commend them and admire them and, and learn from them. Don't be jealous. I know, I know, and some of you know as well, of a pastor in Texas who has a church of about 44,000 people. And I know of another pastor in California who has a church of about 25,000 people. A few years ago when I first discovered this, I started, I started to get, can you believe this, Pastor Lisa? Can you believe this? I started to get a little jealous. Really, she says. And I said, and I said, Lord, Lord, I have probably worked harder than any of those super large church pastors, but we sure don't have 25,000 or 44,000 people in church every weekend. Yeah. And uh, that's what I said. But I want you to know, I want you to know that uh, the good news is my jealous thought was, was very brief. It was very, very brief. How brief, Pastor Lisa? Very brief. And, and since then, I can honestly say to you, I can honestly say to you, I often have prayed, Lord, isn't it wonderful that 
at least, at least in a few places in North America, there are, there are some congregations of, of 10,000 and, and 25,000 and 44,000. Now, it'd be lovely to see that in Canada somewhere as well. But, but I've, I've said, Lord, isn't it wonderful that at least in the States, there are some of these very large church families. That's great. And, I, and I've prayed, and I, I regularly pray like this. Lord, continue to bless those pastors and churches. And let it happen more and more across the world, Lord. Let it happen. So, my friends, whatever, whatever it is, don't let jealousy lead to fault-finding. Amen? Another reason why some people specialize in fault-finding is because they have poor self-esteem. This is true. This is true whether people acknowledge it or not. Uh, some people put down others to make themselves feel better. Right? Some folks put others down to make themselves feel better. Uh, I came across a quote from uh, Dodinsky. Dodinsky. Now here, here is what Dodinsky says. There are some people who belittle others to make themselves feel better. They seem to believe that stepping on others will somehow make them taller. Wow. Now this year, my friends, don't step on others. Instead, make others feel taller. By the way, there's nothing wrong with short people, okay? I love short people. We got a lot of beautiful, wonderful short men and women in this church, okay? But uh, you know what we're talking about here, okay? Instead of stepping on people, lift them up, okay? Make others feel even taller. And, and as you do, you will find other people also making you feel taller, right? Right? Okay, there are other reasons why some people are fault finders, but, but we won't take time to get into all of them today. After church this morning, after church, I want to challenge you to go and say or do, say or do something encouraging for someone. All right? Say or do something encouraging for someone. It can be a family member. It can be a, a friend. It can be someone here in the church, outside of the church, wherever. But go and say and do something encouraging for someone. And throughout 2019, choose, decide to be an encourager instead of a fault finder. Is there an amen? amen? I'm glad we all agree. I might have to remind some of you about this point. All right. Well, here's a third wish I have for you. Number three. I, read it out loud from the big screen with me. I wish you will live your life in such a way that no one can find fault with you. Now this truth, of course, comes from verse 4. Out uh, of verse 4 of Daniel 6, where it says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But, read it from the big screen, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. 
Isn't it so beautiful? Isn't it so beautiful to read that Daniel was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy? I think that that's a great statement to put or to have on anyone's tombstone. Don't you? I think that's a great phrase for anyone to possibly have. So the question is this. Are you and am I faithful as Daniel was? Are we faithful to the Lord? Are we faithful to our church? Are we faithful in giving our tithes and offerings? Are we faithful? Are you faithful to your wife or husband? Are you faithful to your children and grandchildren? Are you faithful to your employer, for those of you who are still in the workforce? The Bible says as well, the Bible says that Daniel was always responsible Question, are you, always, are you always responsible in carrying out promises you make to people? Are you always responsible in carrying out your commitments, your volunteer duties here at the church? Are you always responsible at your workplace or at some volunteer responsibility that you maybe have at a hospital or at some other community group setting? The Bible also says Daniel was completely trustworthy. Trustworthy. The definition of trustworthy is able to be relied on as honest or truthful. Are you and I completely trustworthy? Or do we sometimes sneak in, sneak in a, a half-truth or a so-called white line? Daniel's life challenges you and me to be men and women young people and children who are faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Right? You see it right there in the scripture. Now, <clears throat> even when, yeah, Even when you are faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy, we still have to be careful what we do and how things appear. Here's what I mean. Some time ago, I remember taking someone from our church to, to their dental appointment who was in excruciating pain. The dear person was in excruciating pain and needed the help of a specialist. The plaza where the dentist was located was extremely busy and there were very few parking spots. I finally found a parking spot, turned off the ignition, and then, and then realized I was parked 
right in front, right in front of the beer and liquor store. <laughs> Hundreds of you know what my car looks like. <laughs> Hundreds of you know that my license plate says honor, which means honor the Lord, by the way. Hundreds of you know that in the Church of the Nazarene, we believe in no drinking, any kind of alcohol. We believe in total abstinence. And um, if you had come into that parking lot and had seen Pastor Nick's car in front of the beer or, or liquor store, whatever it was, if you saw my car there, I can imagine the following conversation taking place. I can imagine one of you calling, calling someone, some friend of yours, and saying, sister, I was just going to the department store, and I went into the parking lot at the shopping mall, and sister, you won't believe what I saw. You won't believe what I saw. The other person says, what'd you see? I, I can't really tell you, because it would be gossiping. But sister, can you imagine, can you imagine? I, listen, I, you're my friend. You're my friend, okay? You're my friend. I'm just going to tell you and no one else. So you, you just keep it to yourself. Don't tell anyone else, okay? All right, sister, don't, don't you tell anybody else. It's just between you and me. But I came to the mall here, the shopping center, and would you believe, oh, would you, would you believe Pastor Nick's car is parked right in front of the liquor store? And, uh, oh, he is not only into preaching, he's into drinking. He's into drinking. Oh, what are we going to do about this? Oh, somebody ought to talk to him about it. Somebody ought to talk to him about it. Well, I think you should talk to him about it, sister. You talk to him. Oh, Noah, you should probably call the district superintendent. Have him talk to him about it. No, I don't want to do that. Now, bye. Um, a conversation of that sort, by the way, when I open my phone, it says, Groupon, fresh deals inside. <laughs> Whatever that means. Uh, okay? Well, when I, when I realized I had parked, uh, by the way, isn't that the kind of conversation that probably would have happened? You didn't know I was that smart, did you? <laughs> when I realized that I had parked in front of the alcohol store, what did I do? Well, I turned on the ignition and said to myself, I have to find a parking spot somewhere else, you know? That's what I have to do. Why? Because I needed to avoid the appearance of evil. I needed to avoid um, messing some of you up, right? I mean, almost anywhere I go, I, I run across people that I know or who, who know me, which is great, which is great. Okay? On another occasion, another occasion, I was driving along the main road, 
not far from here, when I remembered that I needed to return someone's phone call at about that time. And so this happened uh, when I didn't have, I did not have a hands-free phone system in the car. And so when I saw this little plaza, I turned into it and I parked to make the phone call. I started to dial and then I, I looked up. I looked up. Can anyone guess what, what I parked in front of? It wasn't another liquor store. I was, parked, I was parked right in front of, I think it said, Adult Film and Books <laughs> Store. Yeah. And I thought, great, great. If one of you decided to go to the pizza store next door, and you saw my car in front of the Adult Film and Bookstore, what are you going to think? What are you going to think? You're going to think, what a hypocrite. He preaches against pornography, and there he is. I saw his car. It says honor. It's the Pastor Nick's car. I saw his car right in front of an adult film store. He wasn't there for pizza. <laughs> right? So... What did I do? I quickly, I quickly, I, I, don't, I didn't make the phone call, quickly drove away, found some other place to phone. And, you know, whether it's you or me, we have to be careful to avoid the appearance of evil. So throughout 2019, my friends, throughout this new year, I wish you will live, all of us, I wish you will live your life in such a way that no one can find fault with you. Now, I understand sometimes people will, will make up things, will find fault regardless, regardless of how hard you try. But let me say that the best way, the best way for this to happen is to ask the Lord, to ask the Lord to cleanse, to purify your heart, to purify our hearts. In the Bible, King David said, Psalm 51, verse 7, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Amen? Psalm 51, verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. 1 John 1, 7, The blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. In Psalm 86, verse 11, grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. This is what I wish for all of us, beloved. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you, O Lord. In these moments, can you just bow your head with me? Can you bow your head? And pray, Lord, grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. Lord, grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you.
Dear Lord, we read in your Bible that you died on the cross to make possible the forgiveness of our sins and also to purify, to cleanse us, to purify our hearts, to, to make us clean from the inside out, to sanctify us through and through, to sanctify us entirely. O oh Lord, grant us purity of heart so that we may honor you. Let it be so. Let it be so. And our Father in heaven, as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper today, we want our hearts to truly be at peace with you, knowing that our sins are forgiven through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and knowing that we have cried out to you Lord, clean us up, transform us, purify our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.